0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Matthew, the second chapter. Now after Jesus having been born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, or magi, from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is the one, having been born, king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Now Herod the king, having heard it, he was thrown into confusion, and all of Jerusalem with him. And so, having called together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he was seeking to learn from them the place where the Christ is born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it stands written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, O land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out from you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Herod, having called the wise men secretly, found out from them exactly the time of the star's appearance. And having sent them to Bethlehem, he said, after having gone, inquired diligently concerning the young child, Then when you may find him, you must report to me that I also may come and worship him. And after having heard the king, they departed. And yet the star which they saw in the east was going before them, having, having led them till it stood over the place where the young child was born. And after having seen the star, they rejoiced with extremely great joy. And having gone into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and having fallen down, worshipped him. And having opened their treasures, they offered gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been divinely warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they returned by another way to their own country. When I was a boy, I lived in western Pennsylvania. We lived right beside the great Shenango River. A broad, deep river, but with sandbars and a wonderful place to play. But along that river, there were towpaths. Now the path was only maybe 8 to 12 inches wide, packed down from Many people traveling, fishermen, recreation. These towpaths would lead through the woods and through the weeds, through the grass, but the path itself was packed down in just bare dirt. We would walk down those towpaths in our bare feet, and then we would come to a broad open space that opened onto the river, and there would be two or three wooden forks that they had found in the woods to rest their fishing poles on and then the towpath would continue on down the path to another fishing spot. You know, I've thought about that many times. Life's a lot like that. We go down these narrow hard beaten paths that we've traversed so many times and then we come to our fishing spot we come to where we work or we come to where we play and then we get back on our narrow hard beaten path and again we make our way down through the the grass and the woods. and These wise men, they left the hard beaten path. They'd never been to Jerusalem probably before this. They'd certainly never been to Bethlehem, that dirty little town and a far off place. What was there in Bethlehem? But that's where they had to go to register so Mary and Joseph went there and Judea they were from Galilee and these wise men or magi traveled quite a distance from the east I don't know exactly where in the east Persia what we would know as a rock. They had to come all the way around the desert. You couldn't cross directly. It was a, it was a considerable, considerable trip for them. It was not on their beaten path. It was not according to what they were normally used to doing. Now I want to say something very directly to you today. you are going to have to leave your old, hard-beaten habit ways if you're going to find Jesus. You will not find Jesus at your normal fishing spots. You will not find Jesus in your normal watering spots. You're going to have to go off the beaten path if you're going to find Jesus. Most people find it too inconvenient. And some are just flat out afraid. They don't know what they're getting into. Well, there's a passage of scripture. Actually, the book of Hebrews takes two chapters out of this precious book, two full chapters to talk about this. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, you must carefully fix attention on the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ, being faithful to the one having appointed him, even as Moses is in all of his house. Now I can tell you, Jesus is not going to be found on the habit-beaten path. I said to one man, how many times do you want to go around that mulberry bush? You've beaten a path so hard. There's no grass there anymore. There's no food. It's just your habit. It's what you do. And it doesn't profit you. There's no life in that old habit that you've been doing for years. Reminds me of a a story many years ago that I heard. The neighbor children would come and play. And when they came in the house, they'd take their coats off. But mom would not let them put their coats on the bed. Instead, they put them on the floor. And finally, her, her daughter asked mom, It's not polite to put their coats on the floor. Why do we have to put their coats on the floor? And she said, because grandma always did that. Grandma wouldn't let us put the coats on the bed. So we put them on the floor. Well, why did grandma do that? Well, I don't know. You could ask her next time you see her. So the next time they were with grandma, they said, Grandma, mama says you never let any coats go on the bed. How come? And she said, because we had neighbors who had head lice, and I didn't want the head lice infecting my children. Oh, there was a good reason many years ago, but now head lice, so we're still putting their coats on the floor because grandma was afraid we'd get head lice. Well, many things that we do are really like that. Grandma or great-grandma did it. So we have to do it the same way. Church has always been done this way. You always have to have now 30 to 45 minutes of praise and worship music at the beginning of your worship service. And of course, it's very clear that By the time you have 35 or 40 minutes of praise and worship at the beginning of your service, you have totally eviscerated, you've wiped out, you've destroyed any sense of conviction that anyone has as they come in. I listened to one one woman as she was talking about a local Washington, D.C., FM, so-called Christian station, Why do you listen to this? She said, because when I get in the car and I turn that music on, it's so comforting to my heart and I feel so happy and it makes my day wonderful. Well, on the surface, that sounds fine. But what if the Lord is trying to convict her of her sin and call her deeper into the spirit? But all she can do is escape into her worldly music that has Christian words. And she's comforted by that. We find a million and one ways to comfort ourselves today in the midst of our sin. And unfortunately, it allows us to escape the Holy Spirit Now, can I tell you, I don't want to escape the Holy Spirit ever again. I want him to have full reign. I want him to bring deepest conviction into my heart. Well, that brings us again to Hebrews, the third chapter. I'll begin reading in verse 7. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, may you not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and provoked me, and yet saw my works for 40 years. For this reason, I was angry, with that generation, and I said they're always led astray in the heart, and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they will not enter into my rest. It's a terrifying statement. Many of you will come and and dip in. You'll listen to a few minutes of the broadcast and then You're on your way to your busy life, your hard, packed down trails. It never occurred to you to just pull over on the side of the road and and listen to an entire broadcast and let the arrows of the Holy Spirit pierce your heart and weep before Almighty God and release the Spirit of God to have his way with you No, you have that packed down path. You've got to go down because you might lose that fish if you don't get to the fishing hole on time. Ah, we're in such trouble in the American church. And I'm in such trouble. And can I be so bold? You're in great trouble too. Because we lack the conviction of the Holy Spirit for the work of the gospel. We lack the Holy Spirit's conviction of the old paths that we've been packing down for years. But we are like Revelation, it says in the third chapter. We're we're rich and increased in goods. We're in need of nothing not knowing that we're wretched and poor and miserable and blind and naked. Lukewarm. Lukewarm. And he says, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. Oh, but we want just the right church program for our little children. Oh, and you're raising them bright as Christians. So many parents I know who are Wanting their children to be Christian, but they fully put them into the atmosphere of the world, even in the church. Some years ago, my grandson came to me and he said, Papa, we have a project at church. Would you help us? Could you give us a hundred dollars? I said, well, tell me more about your project. Who are you trying to reach? He said, well, Papa, we're trying to buy a cotton candy machine for the youth center at church. And then the pastor said he wants us to get a hot dog machine. I said, wait, 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 wait. You're asking me if I would give you that $100 to buy a cotton candy machine for your church youth group, for your youth center? Yes. Yes. No, 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 no. I will not give anything for that. The church has more than enough cotton candy already. They have a cotton candy Jesus. He looked at me like, what are you talking about, Papa? No, I didn't give them money for their cotton candy machine or their hot dog machine for their, for their youth center. They already had large screen televisions. They already had the ping pong table and the and the pool table. They already had all kinds of games. They weren't interested in Jesus. They were interested in kids coming and having a good time. And because they were having a good time, they wanted to come to church. Can I tell you? The good time that I want and the good time I want children to have is the Holy Spirit with Jesus. Now that's a good time. Watching miracles happen. Watching and feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit and and the joy of the Holy Spirit. Understanding who Jesus is. Understanding who the apostles were. Learning the stories of Scripture. The joy of a friendship that's clean and honest and open. That's what I want children to have. I'm not looking for the friendliest church in town that has the best cotton candy machines for the kids. Come on. You see, we've packed the path down to the church. And we've packed the path down to our cotton candy Jesus where there's no conviction, no tears, no arrows of the Holy Spirit piercing our hearts. Just pure wickedness. The same old, same old, hard beaten path and then the kids get a little older and they find there's more fun at the pool hall or there's more fun with the college kids, or there's more fun at the movie house or the dance hall. There's more fun playing the video games. There's more fun. The church can't compete with the world for fun. Do you get it? I don't want to go to church so I can hear a wonderful concert. I don't want to go to church so I can see the kiddies up front doing a little play. A skit? I don't want to hear a preacher who's going to tell some jokes and then do a little of inspiration for me and make me laugh a little and cry a little and leave and feel like, okay, I, I had a good time at church today. Are you kidding me? That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's wickedness. It's horrible. I want to hear the voice of Jesus. I don't want my heart to be hardened. I don't want to walk in the same old, same old path that I've walked in for years. I don't want to go into church and have everybody laughing and talking and then the praise and worship team starts or the choir starts and you have a welcome and then you have special music and then you have a scripture reading and then you have and then you have and then you have and then you have and then you, have, and then you go home. Are you are you settling for that? I'm not. You come to the National Prayer Chapel, we're a small group, but you don't know what's going to happen because nothing is scheduled. It's in the hands of the Holy Spirit. So we might pray for an hour, we might pray for 10 minutes. You don't know. It's the Holy Spirit. We wait on him. We hear a very straight word. We sing some hymns, some old-fashioned hymns. We come to worship, to open our hearts to Almighty God and say, please come and disturb our packed-down paths and let us come to a new place with you, Jesus. Open for us an understanding of who you are and what you expect and bring into our hearts a deep sense of conviction, conviction of our own condition and a conviction about the lost and the dying. When was the last time you wept? You wailed before God over the spiritual condition of someone in your family or someone at work or a friend. Now, when was the last time you even cried? Some of you have not cried in years. Your heart is hard as cement. The emotional Response of tears just hasn't been there for years for you. Hard, packed down. Dry, empty. Run down your little hard pack path to your first fishing spot. If you don't catch something there, okay, I have some other fishing spots. This whole thing is about, will I enter into the rest of God? We need to talk about what rest means in the Hebrew and in the Greek. It means the same thing. Rest in both the Hebrew and the Greek means cessation of work or activity. It means to stop. And after we stop, rest is has an even deeper meaning and that is a place of repose that is a bedroom. We are invited to enter into the very bedroom of God. Now you probably have heard before in the Greek the word no K N O W. That word is the same word used in the Greek for intimacy between a husband and a wife. It's used also about our relationship with God, that God wants to know us and he wants us to know him. And this happens in the place of intimacy, where we don't harden our hearts. We go off the beaten path path that we have built up and we search out Jesus and we seek him with all of our hearts you're not going to find him sitting in front of the television that's one of your fishing spots you're not going to find him buried in a video game that's another fishing spot you can sit there and maybe have a beer and laugh and talk and play your game. You're not going to find Jesus there. You're not going to find Jesus sitting in a normal American church with its shallow entertainment. You're not going to find Jesus there. He's not there. He left. A long time ago, he left. Most of the church in America is devoid of the Holy Spirit, He was grieved. He left a long time ago. You're not going to find Jesus at your job. It's another watering hole. You're not going to find Jesus there. Where are you going to find Jesus? You're going to find Jesus in his bedroom. You're going to find Jesus as you read the word, as you fast, as you pray, and as you go to a place and listen to teaching that convicts your heart and confronts you and calls you to a place of conviction and action in the name of Jesus to a place where you are called forth to leave your sin and to walk clean before Almighty God, a place where you are taught how to have a pure heart, a pure mind. But you're going to have to enter the rest, and you're going to have to stop doing many of the things that you're doing because you won't find Jesus In those movies, you might find information, but you won't find Jesus. You won't find Jesus in the world. You're going to have to turn your back on the world, on the flesh, and on the devil. And you're going to have to seriously begin to search after Jesus with all of your heart. Verse 12, this is Hebrews 3, verse 12. You must take heed, brethren, or literally, hey, pay attention here, heads up. Lest there be any one of you that has an evil heart of unbelief and that you'll fall away from the living God. You must encourage yourselves every day while it is called today, lest any one of you may be hardened by the deception of sin. For we have become partakers of the Christ on the condition that we may hold firmly the beginning of the trust until the end. In the beginning, he said, today if you hear his voice, may you not harden your heart as in the rebellion. Oh but pastor I want to watch the twilight I want to watch the the vampires I want to read the romance novels want to I want to I want to I want to Okay You call yourself a Christian but you have an evil heart of unbelief and you have a hard heart So you want that wine, not just a glass, you want a bottle. You want that liquor. You want those drugs. You want that sex. You want what you want. You won't find Jesus there. Verse 14, he says, for we have become partakers of the Christ. Do you remember Jesus said, my body is real food and my blood is real drink? Well, the writer of Hebrews is saying, for we have become partakers. In other words, we're eating of the Christ. If on the condition of that, we hold firmly what we had at the beginning of trust in Jesus until the end. Today, if you may hear his voice, may you not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For some having heard rebelled, but not all the ones having come out from Egypt by Moses. Now with whom... Was he angered for 40 years? Was it not with the ones having sinned whose dead bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that that they would not enter into his rest except to the ones having disobeyed? Now we see that they were not able to enter in because of unbelief. I'm going to talk to you about that. I've had to ask myself this very serious question that I shared last week with you, and that was, where do I rest? And historically, I've rested in the reading of Christian books. There was a time when I rested in science fiction books. I no longer go to the science fiction books. I've left those but I can easily begin to read a self-help book, a Christian-based book, because I want to know what they're saying. Or I can read theology. That's for me a, a resting place. Or I can go to the internet and I can watch certain people that I appreciate and even some that I don't appreciate. And watch their YouTube videos. I can waste a lot of time looking at the news. I can waste a lot of time just socially talking with people. I can waste a lot of time being concerned about the house, taking care of it. I find places to rest. Well, I've had to go through all of those and basically cut them off for the most part so that they're no longer my beaten path to where I feel comfortable and can rest. Instead, I have instead gone down out of my study to my living room and sat on the couch And just waited before God. I've gone to my prayer closet. And I've spent a great deal of time in the last week just crying aloud to God and confessing my own shallowness, my own emptiness. I can't play the preacher game of saying, Oh, I'm good. I'm good to go. I've got it together. Now, if you'd just be like me, you'd be good to go too. I can't play that kind of game. I'm not there. I am stretching, however, in every fiber of my being toward Jesus, because there must come a great infilling of the Holy Spirit in our day or the church will be utterly cast out by Jesus, be vomited out of his mouth, because we are a sickening people in America. We lack depth, we lack conviction, we lack action. So I've had to begin asking myself another question, a very uncomfortable question. I suspect you'll find it as uncomfortable as I do. What is it that I believe that is my resting place that causes me to not feel hunger for Jesus or that causes me to feel comfortable in my Laodicea church condition? What is it that I believe that allows me to be comfortable? in my deadness. I've been thinking a lot about that. I've been praying about that. I've been asking Jesus to expose everything that I believe that causes me to be comfortable, that that drowns out and deadens the sense of conviction and urgency in my heart toward the lost and the dying and toward, toward you all. I consider you, if you listen to this broadcast regularly, I consider you family with me. I consider you a serious follower of Jesus. And we're on a journey together toward that promised land. But I know all of us have got to come to terms with what it is that we believe that deadens us, that numbs us out. And, of course, the number one thing that we can believe in America that will totally destroy your relationship with Jesus is if you believe that you can walk in sin and still walk in Jesus. If you believe that you can never leave your sin until you die, you will never have any real interest in Jesus Christ. And the result of that will be you will have no conviction in your heart. We have to recognize that we are on probation. Pastor, are you saved? Yes and no. Yes, I'm walking clean before God. But no, my time of probation has not yet come to a conclusion. My late wife... I miss her desperately, but you know what? She's blessed because her time of probation has ended and she ended in victory with a shout of praise to Jesus. I haven't come to that yet. So am I saved? Yes and no. I will not consider myself saved until I am taken up in the clouds of glory with jesus either as i die from this earthly body or he brings me into himself at the second coming if you listen to a teacher who has no conviction who does not confront you with sin who does not speak of the blood of Jesus Christ and the vital necessity of being constantly washed in the blood, then you know you're talking to a preacher or a pastor, a teacher, who's twice dead. They're just wonderful humanistic beings, but they're not saved. They're not on their way to heaven. Because they would comfort you in the midst of your sin. They would love you in the midst of your sin and never shoot an arrow one time at your heart and say, please, please reconsider your position with Jesus. So I know the one huge belief is that you're okay. And you know what? I don't believe that. Intellectually, I don't buy it at all. The scriptures are clear. You Read Romans 6. Read First John, the third chapter. I mean, read the end of Galatians. Read the end of Ephesians. Read the end of Colossians. Read the book of Philippians. Read what Jesus said over and over and over about taking up your cross and following him. You must be crucified with Christ. That one lie will take many to hell. And I have to tell you, even though I don't believe it intellectually, there is still a part of my heart that says, I'm okay. And it comes out of when I was at seminary and shortly after a book came out Psycho Babble book. I'm okay, you're okay. Well, no, we're not okay. We're sinners. In need of grace. And we have to leave our sin and be washed in the blood and be made righteous. And we, we somehow, because we've been on this hard, packed-down, habit-burden path for so many years, we're comfortable on that little path we know how to get to the next watering hole. We know how to make our living. We know how to survive. We know how to cope. We know how to do what we're supposed to do. We know where the grocery stores. We know where the restaurants are. We know where the shopping is. We know, we know, we know, we know, we know. But we don't know Jesus. So, because I know all of these things and I'm comfortable with those things, it's real easy for me to just be comfortable. I was in seminary. I was developing a wonderful friendship with another young seminary and we were studying Greek together and then we were studying Hebrew together. We were colleagues. One day he said to me, Ray, I can't be friends with you. I said, oh, why? He said, because you're always asking me questions that are uncomfortable. He said, you are a quester. I said, I'm a quester? Yeah, he said, you're always... Wanting something more from Jesus. You're always, I just want to be comfortable as a pastor. I want to preach and teach. I want to care for people. That's all I want. I said, whoa, I think you're right. We're not going to be friends because I can't do that. I've got to find Jesus. Jesus. I went to my seminary professor. New Testament studies. I said, Dr. Cox, I'm a seminarian. I've taken your Greek class. I've taken your New Testament studies class. But somehow my heart is still not right with Jesus. Can you help me? His answer was, Ray, the problem is you haven't succeeded in ministry yet and you're, and you're not comfortable knowing whether you can do this or not, but you can do it. Just be encouraged. Trust that you can do this work. I know you'll be a wonderful preacher of the gospel and you'll be so busy in your work as a pastor that this question won't even come to your mind again. Wrong. Wrong. That man comforted me in the midst of my searching for Jesus. This seminary student with me tried to shut me down and tell me, Just relax, Ray. Stop asking questions. Stop searching questions out about Jesus. He's with you. Trust him. No, I trust Jesus. I don't trust me. Do you know what I'm still questing? There's still more I want from Jesus. I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want the power of Pentecost to do the work of the gospel. And part of what I've just been weeping before the Lord over is that I'm in the latter part of my life and I still haven't done the fullness of the work that Jesus called me to do because I don't have the power to do it. So, am I satisfied? No, I'm off the path. I'm off in the bushes. I'm searching for a new path. I'm looking for something that will satisfy my soul. I'm looking for my Lord Jesus. That's what I have to have. I mean, I'm not at a place where, where I can sit back and say, Hey, I got it together. Come and, Get it together with me. No, I'm looking for something much deeper and much bigger. I'm looking for that place of absolute final rest in Jesus Christ. Where his power is released. Where the lost are saved. Where the dying are healed. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I know we're just about out of time today for this broadcast. Tomorrow we're going to dive into the fourth chapter of Hebrews. We're going to have to be like the wise men, the Magi. They were willing to make a long trip out of Persia, out of Iraq, and go all the way to the promised land. And they brought with them gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. It cost them something. It cost them time and energy. And it cost them expensive gifts to find Jesus and to do what they knew their hearts were demanding that they do. And that was kneel humbly before Almighty God and worship him, even as he's in the form of a baby. All my heart wants to do is kneel before Jesus. And worship him. I just want to kneel before Jesus. And worship him. I'm done with these old beaten down paths. I'm not going down them anymore. I'm not looking for a fishing hole. I'm looking for Jesus. And the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If this broadcast has been helpful to you and you'd like to share in the expense of this broadcast, and I thank each one of you who has done that, the bill for last month was paid, covered completely 3000 almost $4,000 This month is going to be even more expensive because there are More days, 23 broadcast days. I need your help. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you and you would like to give, please give. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel. The National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195. You can also go to our webpage, dot com, and you can give online. And all of the YouTube videos and podcasts are available there. And you know, I still, I know God is calling. I don't know when. I'm waiting on God to open the door. I know we need to be on the FM side of the, of the broadcast because many more people listen to FM. Many people will never turn on an AM station. Some new cars don't even have the AM station on their radio. We need to be on the FM side, but that's going to cost a great deal of money. And as we come to the end of the year, some of you have the resources. Some of you could give $50,000 or more. If you're one of those who can give, large amounts of money to move us over to the FM side of the dial. Would you do that? And to us who don't have that kind of resource, but can help cover the AM, would you do that? My brother, my sister, I want this message of confrontation, of conviction, of walking in Jesus. I want this message to go out over this city of Washington and over this nation. A standard of righteousness has to be lifted up over this city. If you agree with me, then let me hear from you. Lord Jesus, I lift every person now before your throne. I ask that you would come in mighty power with conviction of sin that you would break the old, packed-down habits where there's nothing green growing. Lord, would you change what's happening in our hearts and would you bring revival. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'd love to hear from you. I'll talk to you soon.